Blog Talk Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is November 11th, 2022, and I want to start out uh, by wishing all of our our veterans a very happy Veterans Day. Uh, There is no way that this country or our citizens can even begin to repay you for your gallantry, your sacrifices, your commitment, your patriotism, Um, you've kept freedom alive, not only in America, but around the world. And it's something that all too many Americans in this crazy era seem to have forgotten. Uh, There are too many people looking to tear down America, and we're not even talking about our adversaries overseas, but people within our own country. And yes, America has faltered and made mistakes. People do that. Uh, My parents raised me to understand that that was the reason we put erasers on the back of pencils, because we're not infallible. We're human. But my goodness gracious, I will put America's record up against the record of any other country in history. So for those people who think that America is a problem, I have a suggestion. Tell me or tell the rest of us where you would rather live, because if America fails, Look who's waiting in the wings to dominate the world. These are not democracies. These are not moral countries. These are countries that are run by tyrants, dictatorships. People uh, are enslaved, and they certainly don't live what we call the American dream, a dream that, by the way, because of corruption and greed on the part of our leaders, so-called, has become ever more elusive, and that's what Americans should be striving for to make the politicians accountable. They are our employees. But my gosh, you look at Iran, China, North Korea. I'd love to know who in their right mind would like to leave the safety and comfort of America to go live in those countries that are drooling at the mere thought that America could falter because of a lack of leadership by our own government. We need to wake up. We need to appreciate what we have, and we need to appreciate the people who over the decades, the centuries, um, have preserved it, given up their lives, come home grievously injured, all to keep freedom alive. I had major disagreements with Ronald Reagan. As an American, we're entitled to speak our mind. I didn't like the amnesty that he foisted on us in 1986 or the visa waiver program or the diversity visa that he started and George Herbert Walker Bush enacted. I had disagreements with him. That's how democracy works. But my gosh, Reagan was 100% right when he said that freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We should all thank our lucky stars that we live in this country, that our children and grandchildren live in this country, and we must do whatever we need to do to preserve, defend, and protect our 
constitutional republic that is the United States of America. And I know a lot of people, myself included, were greatly disappointed at the outcome of the election. Hopefully the Republicans will gain control at least of the House. By the way, full disclosure, those of you familiar with me know that I'm a lifelong registered Democrat, but the Democrats are no longer Democrats, and they're not liberal. How in the world can you lay claim to being liberal when if you consider what a liberal is, a liberal is a person who accepts the notion that other people have different ways of seeing issues, and everyone, I mean everyone, has the right to have their opinions heard and respected unless they go off the deep end and do the equivalent of calling, yelling fire in a crowded theater when there's no fire. But we can disagree on just about everything and anything. I don't care if it's school prayer. I don't care if it's abortion. And as Americans, we then have the obligation, I believe, to defend our position against those who disagree with us. And that's what debate is all about. Before I became a federal agent, I took a degree in communications, arts, and sciences. I jokingly call it my BA in BS. But debate is a living, breathing example of democracy in action. It is a form of intellectual capitalism. You go to the marketplace of the debate and you make your case. You sell your ideas. You sell your concepts. You sell your values. And you decide, or the audience decides, as consumers, if you will, whether they agree with you or your opponent. We should be able to clearly and unequivocally make a case for the positions that we hold. And when we falter, perhaps we ourselves come to learn that somebody has a better idea. That's the beauty of debate. Universities are supposed to be all about debate. I was on the debating teams in high school and college. It was the best experiences that I ever had. Uh, and I will tell you that I don't believe that anybody should be able to get a degree or a high school diploma without spending at least an entire school year as an active participant on a debating team. It forces you to learn to think on your feet, engage in logic and reasoning, assemble the facts, and make your case. It is a life skill that will serve the person who joins such a debating team or engages in such debates will serve you for a lifetime. It will serve you for a lifetime to be able to see the flaws and the arguments of other people and to teach you how to focus and concisely articulate your ideas in a fact-based, clear perspective, clear voice. Campuses across the country have shut down debate. And they do so because they know they are peddling an inferior product, if you will. We should be demanding, absolutely demanding, that our schools go back to this notion of the First Amendment. Shocking as it might be, freedom of speech is the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights of the Constitution because the Founding Fathers understood that without free speech, you have no freedom. And so for those who improperly identify the lunatic left as, quote, those libs or the libertards wake up and not liberal. I'm liberal. I've raised my children to be liberal. My parents raised me to be liberal. That is to say, to accept the idea that other people may disagree with me and they have every right to be heard, and I have every right to be heard. 
mutual respect. And if you look at the outcome of the election, it seems as though the extremists uh, were rejected by many of the voters. But the Republicans should have done a lot better. They didn't do what they should have done, perhaps because they are operating under the influence of globalist contributors. The immigration issue is treated as a separate and distinct issue, and it's not. And in fact, it's even gotten worse. And you know, I've written about it, and I've spoken about this frequently. There's much more to immigration than the Mexican border, and yet all we hear about is the crisis on the Mexican border, the crisis on the southern border. Look at what's happening at this border town and that border town. So let's be clear. What is happening along the Mexican border is dangerous beyond comprehension. And I've spoken about it before. I'm going to mention it in passing tonight. There have been open hearings, and I don't know why I'm the only one who seems to talk about it, but back in 2018, there were hearings about how Iran, through Hezbollah, a terrorist group they fund and support, it has its origins in Lebanon, Hezbollah has sent thousands of their operatives throughout Latin America working with the human traffickers, the drug smugglers, often one and the same, flooding America with narcotics, flooding America with people, flooding America with criminals and sleeper agents. Why is nobody referencing that hearing? It was held in the House of Representatives back when Peter King chaired the subcommittee. It is crystal clear that that Mexican border is dangerous beyond comprehension. And as we think about veterans, they think about Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941. 3,000 people died at the hands of the Japanese fleet. On 9-11, more people died at the hands of 19 hijackers that we lost at the hands of the Japanese fleet. That's how critical this notion as to who you let into the country is. The 9-11 Commission was crystal clear. Border security is national security, but that's not the only way that the terrorists are entering the United States. That's not the only way that criminals or contraband enters the United States. There were so many issues that should have been hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered, and all that basically most of the Republicans had to say is, oh, I'm not the Democrat candidate. So I, I want to share with you a little bit of this, and then I want to get to an article that I wrote for Front Page Magazine that appears nowhere, Fox News, no place. The only place that there's been any discussion about this has been on Newsmax. I've been on Newsmax. Hopefully I'll be back again within the next week or, or so. Yes, I want to talk about that article that I wrote for Front Page Magazine, uh, the title of which, Former DOD, that's Defense Department Contract Translator, Arrested for Alleged Ties to ISIS. This is a huge, huge story. Nobody's reporting on it, and it's an immigration story. But what's remarkable is when I wrote my article in the front page magazine, and this is a frustration that I'm going to share with you, because I always look at the comments after my articles to see what people have to say, to see how they're thinking. Whenever I write about this, or I wrote about the immigration iceberg, it's more than the Mexican border. That was a previous article. <clears throat> All that people have to see is the word Mexican border, and they light up like the 4th of July and I can't tell you how many comments there were, electrify the fence, build a taller wall, on and on and on, what we've got to do about the Mexican border. But the whole point to my article, the immigration iceberg, meaning that it's not just the Mexican border, but that's all that anyone stays focused on. Only a few people forwarded my article about a translator working for the Defense Department who was alleged to have ties to ISIS. 
you would think every American would look at that and freak out. No, it doesn't talk about the Mexican border, so this couldn't have been an immigration article. Wow. Wow. This is short-sighted beyond comprehension. If someone is going to break into your house, think of how many ways they can get in. You don't just put strong locks and a strong door on the front of your house and say, well, now we're secure, or your back door and say, well, now we're secure. You have windows and a skylight, maybe a hatch in the roof. Uh, there's a way into the basement. They can get into the garage, and if the garage is connected to your house, once they get into the garage, they can get into your house. In fact, I remember a number of years ago, in some of the more exclusive neighborhoods up in Westchester, lots of expensive cars were being broken into, and the robber didn't take the car. They simply took the garage door opener. Think about it. Well, why would you take a garage door opener? What's the point? I'll tell you what the point was. They had the license plate from the car. If you run the license plate through motor vehicles, guess what you come up with? An address. If you have the garage door opener, you stake out the house, the homeowner goes off to work, and they come along with the garage door opener. They hit the button, the door opens. They don't even have to break in. They walk into the house through the garage and at their leisure clean out the place. People don't have to break a window to get into a house. They can go through the garage. They can go through all different ways. Uh, you have home invasions, people pretending to be a mailman or a UPS delivery guy or whatever, and they get into the house. There's so many ways that people can be burglarized, that they can be attacked. Same thing with America. In fact, my first hearing was about immigration fraud and visa fraud, uh, because of the 93 terror attacks in the United States. First, the shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani by the name of Kansi, who killed two CIA officers, wounded three others. And, and then the bombing at the World Trade Center, February of uh, 1993. Six dead, thousand, over a thousand injured, a half billion in damages. So everybody knew that the terrorists entered the United States. Uh, and these terrorists didn't come through the Mexican border. They came mostly through, through international airports. But all that we hear about is crisis on the southern border, crisis on the southern border. Look at the Mexican border. Yeah, super dangerous, super dangerous. It keeps me awake. But we have aliens and drugs coming in through the northern border. We have 95,000 miles of coastline and seaports and international airports and unauthorized landing strips all over the country. But if you talk immigration, all people want to hear is about the Mexican border. Are we that bloody stupid? What is wrong with us? This is as dopey as the people who find out that their neighbor was a mass murderer. And like a three-year-old child, they look at you with wide eyes and they say, but he had such a nice smile. You mean people who smile couldn't be sociopaths or terrorists or Nazi war criminals or fugitives from justice? Of course they can Con artists have very agreeable personalities. If a guy was nasty and surly, no one could be conned by him. They'd look at this guy and say, get away from me. So con artists, part of their stock and trade is they have a beguiling smile. Hi, how are you? Hey, it's great to see you. And the next thing you know, they've cleaned you out. That's how con artists operate. And they have a nice smile. But how many times have you heard these reports or seen these reports on TV? They interview a neighbor. Did you know that your neighbor killed five women? No, can't be. He has a smile. 
We need to grow up, folks. We need to stop acting like five-year-old children. It's upsetting. It's frustrating, and it's dangerous. Because if we don't understand the issues, then we can't hold the politicians accountable. We can't make the appropriate demands upon them to do what must be done to protect America and Americans and our children and their children and their future in this great nation. We're naive. We're foolish. We're being lied to. And most people go along with the program. They want to be conformists. There is honor in nonconformity. There truly is. America was built by nonconformists, people afraid to, who were not afraid to think outside the box. You remember that old expression we don't hear much about anymore because the lunatic left is demanding conformity. Our way or the highway. Follow the science. What science? Science isn't something you follow. Science is a methodology that involves asking the right questions and devising experiments to try to get to the truth. The biggest return that we get from the space program, believe it or not, is the next set of questions. And the lunatic left does everything possible to keep you from asking the questions, and that includes the social media and so forth. Don't you dare ask questions. We were told that about Fauci, weren't we? And now all of a sudden, Bill Maher and others on the left are saying, oh, my God, we were duped. Fauci told us things that weren't true. Well, that's happening with everything. It's, I believe, happening with climate change. No one wants to have the guts to stand up and say, wait a minute, I have a question. I have a question. You hold people accountable by asking questions. And con artists are good at shutting down questions by intimidating people into not asking the questions in the first place. Um, I remember, and I'll I'll share with you a a brief anecdote about how um, skilled uh, politicians are good at shutting down questions and we need to avoid the pitfalls. A number of years ago, I was invited to address the International Association of Chiefs of Police. George W. Bush was in the White House at the time. And I had just testified before Congress. And by the way, it's amazing how the politicians have flipped on the immigration issue. I testified twice at the invitation of Sheila Jackson Lee, believe it or not. She invited me to testify back in March of 2002 about how two dead terrorists, Mohammed Atta and Marwan al-Shehi, they were in the cockpits of the two planes that took down the World Trade Center. And Otto was the ringleader. <clears throat> well, to the day, six months after the attacks, to everyone's horror, it was discovered that these two individuals had been granted authorization to attend flight school. Six months after the attacks, the owner of the flight school, Rudy Decker, went to the government and said, what's going on? These guys are dead. I run a flight school in, in Florida. I was invited to testify at the hearing. You could actually watch the hearing in its entirety. It's part of the permanent library at C-SPAN, and it's worth watching. Sheila Jackson Lee, supported by Jim Sensenbrenner, who at the time chaired the House Judiciary Committee, invited me to that hearing. I wound up sitting next to Rudy Decker in point of fact at the hearing, the owner of the flight school. And, And so you have to understand that we have got to learn to ask the questions and find out why politicians flip-flop because Sheila Jackson Lee was all in. It was, the, it was found out that George W. Bush refused to hire the number of agents that he was authorized to hire by Congress. They gave him the money, and he refused to hire the agents. 
he was given enough money to hire 800 new ICE agents that year and for each of the next four years. Got the number to 143, inexplicably. And I thought 800 was a very low number. We should have tens of thousands of ICE agents. I keep making the point. You know, now what we're hearing from the Republicans is we don't need 87,000 internal revenue agents. We need 87,000 Border Patrol agents. No, we need 87,000 ICE agents. ICE agents. Interior enforcement is the key to immigration enforcement. I'm going to tell you right up front, you cannot secure the border at the border, period, full stop. Because any alien willing to get arrested repeatedly will ultimately get in. And as I said at one of my early hearings, immigration is like a balloon. If you squeeze one end, it bulges somewhere else. If you can't get in in Florida and in, in, in along the Mexican border, you'll go to the Canadian border. You'll get in a boat and, and, and come ashore along the coastline. Think of this analogy. Think of this analogy. I know most of us have a GPS now, and the GPS tells us the fastest way to get where we're going. But before we had that, that GPS that did that, we would frequently get in the car and we would turn on the radio. For what purpose? To hear the weather report and to get the traffic report. But why do we want a traffic report? Because if we knew, let's say in Brooklyn, where I am, that the Brooklyn Bridge had miserable traffic and there was a crash and they shut the bridge down, you don't want to sit on a long line of traffic and go nowhere. So you figure out an alternative. Well, maybe I'll go through the tunnel. Maybe I'll go over a different bridge. Right? That's why you listen to the traffic reports. There's an obstruction on the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm going to find a way around it. Do you not think alien smugglers operate the same way? Do you not think that terrorists and spies and criminals seeking to enter the country don't operate the same way? Okay, they're enforcing the law along the Mexican border. I, I, maybe I'll go to Canada. Maybe I'll get on a boat. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get a passport under a fake name and fly into an international airport. That's what they do. It's not like you're going to shut down the Mexican border and all's right with the world. Because unless you understand that immigration is a system and that we have 50 border states and an infinite number of ways of entering the United States, you're never going to protect the country, which is the goal of the globalists. To create the illusion that they're securing America while making damn sure that the immigration delivery system flows smoothly. The immigration delivery system is so efficient that it greatly eclipses UPS and FedEx combined. That's why we have millions and millions of illegals here, and that's why for the last 10 years, 15 years, we've been told there's 11 million illegals here. 11 million. What a joke. It's like a clown car. No matter how many clowns come out of the car, there's, there's more. Okay? All these people come to America. What are we told? Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing to see here. I remember speaking at an event where some people from Wall Street were there. Oh, the immigration problem. No, no problem. It's solving itself. Yeah, this was like, you know, 10, 12 years ago. It's solving itself. Really? How? Because the mega wealthy want the border open. I was at a hearing where I testified about border security, and one of the other witnesses who was involved with an organization affiliated with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce came up to me during a recess when the members of Congress went to vote, and he said, Mr. Cutler, you need to stop talking about border security. I said, wait a minute, that border is our first and last line of defense. Yeah, people are going to die no matter what you do. That border is an impediment to my wealth. You're costing me money. That border needs to be opened up. Took my breath away. We had quite an argument. Wow. People are going to die anyway. That border is costing me and my colleagues money. Knock it off. That border needs to be open, wide. Let them all in. Really. 
We let them all in, and among them are criminals and terrorists, and we drive down the wages of hardworking Americans. And foreign workers, believe it or not, tend to send their money out of the country. We lose tens of billions of dollars a year in remittances, money lost to the U.S. economy, sent home by workers who are going to act on behalf of their own best interests. And what's their own best interest? Send money back to their families in their home countries, whether they're working here legally or illegally. Does that help the U.S. economy? Does that help struggling Americans? Immigration impacts virtually every challenge and threat that we face. Think about it. Can't attack us unless they can get here. Right? Criminals who come here come here to commit crime if they're part of gangs or drug trafficking organizations. How does that help Americans? Nobody has ever asked the president in recent memory or any other official, how are these policies in the best interest of the average American. Don't tell me about the American dream for the immigrants. And by the way, if we're talking about illegal aliens, they're illegal aliens. It's Orwellian newspeak that we're being inundated with. And it's not an anti-immigrant position that I take. America admits more than a million lawful immigrants every year. I don't know what the numbers were because of COVID, but that's another story. But the point is, we're very generous. We're the most generous country on the planet in terms of admitting foreign nationals. We naturalize over a half million new citizens in a typical year. We admit tens of millions of temporary visitors every year. So to say, let's make sure we don't let in criminals or people that will take the jobs or the lives of Americans, is that anti-immigrant or is that common sense? Are you anti-social if you lock your door at night, especially when the police warn you that there are home invaders out there? And under current circumstances, that's more likely than not happening in your hometown. My son set us up with a ring doorbell that tells you about all the crimes, and you're sitting there in your house, and you get an alert, shooting three blocks from where I live, stamping five blocks from where I live, carjacking a mile from where I live. It's very reassuring, very reassuring. Wow. So you look at all this, and, and, and people are being intimidated. You're an anti-immigrant. People say to me, Mr. Cutler, aren't you afraid people are going to call you a racist or a xenophobe? I said, no. If I didn't take my position, they could properly call me stupid. And why do I care what anyone else thinks about me? When I was a kid, I had fist fights because I didn't give a rat's tail about athletes. I'll be blunt with you about it. I think sports is important for children to learn sportsmanship, to learn something that the politicians seem to have forgotten. You know what I'm talking about? The old expression that it's not whether you win or lose, but how you play the game. For corrupt businesses and corrupt politicians, winning isn't a big deal. It's the only deal. All they care about is winning by literally hook or by crook. If they had learned sportsmanship, perhaps they would operate a bit differently. But I don't make a big deal about athletes. I'm sorry. Yes, they have a talent. So what? I've met people with better talents, and these are fighter pilots, test pilots, that I've met some astronauts. Those are my heroes. And as a kid, that was... <laughs> That, that distinction was enough to get me into fistfights because I was scrawny. And we're always pressured by our peers, peer pressure to conform or else. Perhaps it's genetic because, you know, if, if you're operating by yourself, you're dead. In the old days, if someone was excommunicated from the church, it didn't simply mean they couldn't go to church services. It was basically a death sentence during the Middle Ages. During medieval times, if they threw you out into the wilderness, you couldn't survive. So excommunication was a death sentence. 
and I, I guess we're hardwired to conform and, and, and form groups. And, and, and those roots, by the way, come bigotry, racism, and all kinds of terrible things. Um, we need to be independent thinkers. We need to look at a situation objectively and have the guts to stand up and say, no, I'm not buying into this foolishness. It's crazy. It's wrong. Stupid. Okay, fine. Call me late for dinner. What do I care? Remember my parents saying, you know, if your friends jumped off the roof, would you jump with them? Of course not. My parents taught me to be a nonconformist. I taught my kids to be free thinkers and nonconformists in ways where it matters. They, they never had purple hair or got tattoos, but they learned to question what they hear and what they read. That's the biggest gift you can give your children the ability to logically reason out the solutions to problems, be an independent thinker, not be gullible and fall for the garbage that they're being peddled. Think about it. So we're told immigration is a separate issue. All we're looking at is the Mexican border. What the Republicans needed to do, my judgment, and I'm not a political consultant, I don't even play one on TV, but what I think they should have done, looking at the open border on Mexico, looking at Mayorkas, he was not going to pursue fraud investigations against people who lie to get U.S. citizenship, which was a tactic used by the terrorists repeatedly. By the way, read the 9-11 Commission report. I contributed uh, to, that opera, to that process by providing testimony to the commission. So everything that's happening, it's not just the Mexican border. The entry of massive numbers of aliens impacts everything. Why do we never hear this from the Republicans? You could make such an easy case. In fact, we're hearing about how school grades have been faltering since COVID. <clears throat> and everyone is attributing it to kids wearing masks and, and, and remote learning. And I'm sure it had a deleterious impact. Make no mistake, this was serious and it was poor judgment because people didn't question what they were being told. And you had politicians forcing the issue. Take the vaccination or be fired. Really? Is this still America? I'm sorry. This is a problem. Wear a mask or else. And then I knew the mask was a bunch of nonsense when we were told you could wear a scarf around your head. Scarf is going to stop a virus? Seriously? That's like taking a colander that you use to train pasta and, and tell people, here, Pour your water into the colander. You can use it as a bucket. Well, how could you use it as a bucket? It has holes, right? A fabric scarf around your face might cover your face, but it doesn't pre prevent the virus from spreading. It's silly. It's ridiculous. And not long ago, the current unfortunate governor-elect, Hochul, said, oh, these kids need to wear masks. They can have all these colorful masks. No, 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 no. If you're trying to stop the virus, you need an N95 or equivalent, not a colorful mask. This is about demanding conformity. March lockstep with what I tell you or else. What next? We're going to have to do the goose step like good little Nazis? Outrageous. Question what you're being told. How does that scarf stop the spread of the virus? That's a simple question. So you have kids not learning visual cues by looking at facial expressions. Children with autism very often have a problem, uh, you know, um, interacting with other people because they don't pick up on these visual cues. So in essence, through the use of masks, you are almost creating the same thing for kids. Big problem. But is that the only reason the grades faltered? Why didn't anyone ever ask 
How many millions of children have come into the United States in recent years who cannot read, write, or speak English or understand English? And if they're given a test to determine their proficiency in English or mathematics, guess what? They bomb. And if you have enough children bombing, they pull down the average for everybody. And if you keep spending more money on English as a second language for alien children who shouldn't even be here, and not having the resources or the money to help children who are Americans and lawful immigrants get the intervention that they need if they suffer learning disabilities, or be able to build the labs that we need and the other facilities, we overwhelm the educational system. You don't think that that's going to have a negative impact on the scores? Seriously? Back around 2006, 2007, the Congressional Budget Office did a study, and they found that it cost 20 to 40% more to educate children who cannot speak, read, or write English. Wow. Why didn't the Republicans at least raise the question? Could it be that part of the reason that the scores are in the tank, reading, math, so forth, is because the system is overwhelmed with children who lack English language proficiency? Simple question. You want to look at inflation? Well, if you add millions of consumers to the economy who need to buy food and clothing and shelter, do you think that that creates inflation? They go out and get cars. They need to buy gasoline. They need to buy cars. It jacks up the price of cars. Meanwhile, they enter the labor pool, and they will work for much lower wages and displace American workers. So Americans are losing their jobs. They're facing wage suppression, so they pay less in taxes and rely more on safety net programs that are very costly. Why? because they've been displaced by foreign workers, and not just the illegal aliens, but even high-tech workers. Well, the Republicans are all in on that. When I met with Bob Goodlatte, the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary at the time, he refused to talk about the adverse impact of H-1B visas on American high-tech workers. Refused to discuss with me a statement made by Alan Greenspan when he testified for Chuck Schumer back on April 30th, 2009, about how the solution to wage inequality is to make high-tech American workers who have advanced degrees, MBAs, PhDs, and so forth, make them compete with foreign workers. And once we can get them to compete with foreign workers, we can cut that wage premium they're getting because they are the privileged elite. The former chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank referring to middle-class, high-tech American workers who went to school, spent a fortune on their education, and begrudges them a, a, a decent wage calling them the privileged elite while he has mansions scattered all over the place, including the Hamptons. Wow. And the solution to wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills, like high school dropouts, make the high-tech workers compete with people from the third world. You slice that wage down, and now the difference between the guy with the Ph.D. and the high school dropout is a bare minimum. And now, congratulations, you've greatly reduced wage inequality not by elevating the wages of the working poor, but by turning middle-class workers into the working poor. And Goodlatte didn't want to have that conversation. And finally, he said to me, look, my son knows lots about computers, and he'd love to bring in tens of thousands of brilliant Indian programmers. Well, I didn't even know Goodlatte had a son, let alone that he was involved with computers, let alone that he wanted H-1B visas, which, of course, Goodlatte was always hawking 
So I went home and looked up Goodlatte, and I looked up his son, and it turned out his son, Bobby Goodlatte, made a fortune when he started out with Zuckerberg at Facebook, hiring lots and lots and lots of workers from India and other third world countries. They're all in, both sides of the aisle. These are republicrats. If we had some honest, decent politicians, and there are some, not enough. Jeff Sessions is one of them, by the way, which is why I was upset that Donald Trump excoriated him the way he did, but so be it. That's water under the bridge. Um, in fact, Jeff Sessions quoted me from the floor of the Senate back around 2006 because I wrote an article for the front page, I'm sorry, for the Washington Times, where I said we should rename Comprehensive Immigration Reform the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act because we'd be giving lots of uh, aliens who are here illegally identity documents without the capacity to interview them, let alone do a field investigation. Okay? So both sides of the aisle are all in on globalism. But if you had some politicians with the guts and moral fortitude to stand up and say, wait a minute, immigration isn't just about immigration. It's about jobs. It's about public health. It's about public safety. We've let in all these gang members, and they're attending school with our children, and they're posing a threat to the kids, particularly in the ethnic immigrant communities, not just from Latin America, Asian organized crime, the Jamaican drug posses, all these various criminal groups from all over the world, because human nature is universal. I don't care what race, religion, or ethnicity you're part of. Every single group has the good, the bad, and the ugly. If that's human nature, we bleed red, and we all have similar human nature. These are issues that should have been raised during the campaign. And we know about fentanyl, but drive it home. Drive it home. Over 100,000 dead because of fentanyl poisoning. These aren't overdoses. The fentanyl was coming in looking like legitimate pharmaceuticals, looking like candy. This is an attack. This was as much an attack as what we suffered on 9-11. 9-11, we lost 3,000 and perhaps another 3,000 in terms of those who have since passed away because of their exposure to the toxins when the buildings collapsed. But last year we lost over 100,000, and that's the tip of the iceberg. You want to talk about violence and guns? Okay, fine, let's talk about it. How many of the mass shootings involve people who were high on drugs or who suffered brain damage from habitual drug use? And meanwhile, the Democrats are trying to convince people in New York, for example, it's okay to use illegal, dangerous drugs. There are signs in the New York City subway system, a place I don't want to go. It's a rolling crime wave. But what are they telling people? Oh, this is how you can use illegal drugs safely. Never mind that under the law it's a felony to use those drugs or be found in possession of those drugs. We're talking about crack and heroin and cocaine. No, no, no. You can do it safely. We'll show you how. Meth. We'll show you how to do it safely. Whose side are they on? Certainly not the side of the average American or the American kids. And if you want to look at the criminal justice system and reform it, I agree. Somebody who gets pulled over for speeding and can't make a $300 bond winds up getting time in jail. Uh, maybe we should reconsider that. I agree. But that's how it started. And then we wound up with people that are committing violent crimes being set loose again and again and again. So they have more and more opportunities to kill, maim, and rape, and rob. That's what we're witnessing. Why are people involved in crime in the first place? Well, let's look at their family situation. Right? They come from broken homes. They come from violent homes. They come from backgrounds where there's no hope for 
success. And when you live under those circumstances, and I've been in these rat-infested buildings, no heat in the wintertime, rats running through the buildings that are bigger than cats, the stench of poverty, my gosh. The only way out for many of these kids, at least the way they see it, is to become involved in crime. And we're off to the races. Why aren't we looking at the circumstances under which these children are living? Make sure they get a quality education. Perhaps provide, even if necessary, dormitories if they're living in a violent situation. We've got to get creative because these kids are dying. And those that don't die are very often reverting to crime. If you're really concerned about justice, nip it in the bud. When someone's 17 years old with a long rap sheet, it's a little bit late to say, well, how do we fix this? When they're seven years old, you have a shot at it. What are we doing to that seven-year-old? Nothing. Call out the hypocrisy and the lies and the carnage. This should have been a cakewalk when you look at what the radical lunatics of the Democrat Party have done to America. And again, I say this as a lifelong registered Democrat. That party has become a weapon of mass destruction. I've come to call that party the Democrat Party. Well, where were the Republicans? Why weren't they articulating the issues? I don't know. I don't know. Lindsey Graham, a couple of weeks before the election, came out and said, <clears throat> knowing that abortion was a hot issue, if we gain control of the Congress, we're going to make abortion illegal across America. Why did he say that? Does he mean it? Did he not think, well, gee whiz, this might turn off a lot of voters uh, and we could lose? I mean, Lindsey Graham is all in for amnesty. When you go down to South Carolina, they refer to him as Gramnesty. So I'm not sure what's going on with the Republicans, but my God, they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory as far as I'm concerned. And they need to go. The politicians who couldn't articulate how they would fix what's been done to us shouldn't have been running for office. When I was in school, we, taught, we were taught that there's two types of criticism, plain old-fashioned criticism, where you look at someone and say, what you're wearing is disgusting and you look ugly, or constructive criticism, where you say, hey, Charlie, that's a nice jacket, but that shirt doesn't go with the jacket. Maybe you should wear a plain white shirt. That's constructive criticism. So it's one thing to say, my opponent is an idiot, he's terrible. Something else to say, well, here's what I would do instead. We didn't hear enough of what I would do instead. Immigration is the key issue. And when you look at the polls, immigration was treated as a separate issue. Well, people are concerned about inflation, they're concerned about crime, they're concerned. How about understanding that immigration is an integral element of almost every challenge and threat we're facing and address it that way? Problem is, the politicians have been bought and paid for by the globalists. That's the problem. And we need to stand up to this. Anyway, I want to get to my article. This article is enough to give me nightmares forever. And it should give you nightmares forever. And I will tell you why. Because it's very clear what has happened here. Uh, let me pull up the article, uh, and I want to go over it with you line by line. Uh, and by the way, uh, you should know that I also wrote a prior article, which kind of dovetails with this one, 
And the article was providing former Taliban associates with visas and asylum. Think about that. And I talked about how the system by which we were vetting these people was flawed. And then the FBI comes along, by the way, according to the Washington Times, um, and, and what do they say? Oh, they said, well, the FBI is getting an infusion or they're seeking $15 million in cash to look for the Afghanis that we let in. Wow. Um, it's pretty incredible, isn't it? Pretty incredible. So we have a translator. And by the way, there was no Justice Department press release. You would think that the Justice Department would be crowing. Look what we did. We arrested this guy. He was in contact with ISIS-K. ISIS-K was responsible for the bombing in Afghanistan as we turned tail and ran under the great leadership, so-called, of Joe Biden. Okay? So this translator was, according to the FBI, in contact with ISIS-K. And he was working as a translator. And what is he being charged with? Lying on his application for a security clearance and not being charged with aiding and abetting terrorists or providing material support to a terrorist organization, even though he tried to intervene in several cases to enable people to get into the United States. Number one, he was undercharged. Could have been charged with much more serious crimes. Why? Item number two, why didn't the Justice Department report on it? Item number three, even the reporters who did report on it missed the issue. Just, they were very clear that this guy worked, you know, uh, for the Defense Department, and yes, he was in contact with ISIS, and he was a translator. But what does that mean? See, what was missing is the fact that a translator has one of the most sensitive and trusted jobs in government. I should know, as an immigration officer, I worked with translators for 30 years, from day one. Because we were dealing with so many people from so many different countries who spoke so many different languages and dialects, so we had to rely on translators. Translators become our eyes, ears, and mouths for both sides of the conversation. So if you're sitting there interviewing somebody with a translator, the translator knows what you're looking for. The translator identifies the agent. The translator can identify the informant. The translator can lie and enable somebody who's a bad guy to get in by not translating what the person says in response to the questions? Think about that. So any case involving people leaving Afghanistan to come to America that involved this translator, if we're serious about protecting America, the Biden administration must go back and pull every single case that this translator touched and they should have an index of that to make it easy, and then say, okay, we have to reinvestigate this person because this guy who is a suspect and, and is alleged to have ties to ISIS may have tried to get a bad guy into the United States, which is why you'd want to be a translator in the first place if you're an associate of a terrorist organization. And by in, being involved in the question-and-answer session, the translator also knows what we're looking for. Well, he's focusing on this threat or that threat, so they're on to this possibility. I mean, think of how much sensitive information passes through the translator. And when you have a translator who's alleged to be an associate of ISIS, does it get worse? You know, the old expression, of, boy, I wish I was a fly on the wall. The translator is that fly on the wall. That's how serious it is. 
But that point was never made in the articles that I read. And the Justice Department to this day has not issued a press release. And in fact, Rolling Stone did a report about this case. And they said in the article that they reached out to the Justice Department for comment. But as of the time of publication, the Justice Department had yet to respond. Clearly, the Justice Department didn't want anybody to know about it. Could it be because the guy was not a member of the Parents Association? You would think they should be saying, look what we did to protect America. We've identified a potential terrorist working for the Defense Department. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. It's a humongous deal. Not a word. Not a word. It blows my mind. How many more translators are out there who might be affiliated with ISIS or the terrorist organization? This is an immigration story because he was probably interviewing people seeking asylum in the United States. That's Immigration, folks. But very few people read my article. Just didn't say anything about the Mexican border. Understand my frustration. This is insanity. If you don't say Mexican border, it's a yawn. Not a yawn. Not a yawn. Trust me on this one. We're giving the keys to the kingdom to potential terrorists. And all anybody wants to talk about is the Mexican border. Are we nuts? Are we crazy? Are we that stupid? And so when politicians say, well, we're going to secure that border, everybody says, yes, I'm going to vote for him because he's going to secure what border? What do you mean secure it? I don't know, but he said he's going to do it. Politicians don't lie, right? Wow. We have a lot of people running around in suits Their birth certificate may say that they're middle-aged, but maturationally, their children still in kindergarten, rolling around in the sandbox. Grow up, everybody. Wake up. Please read my articles. This is why I write them. Trying to provide you with the information you're not going to get from the mainstream media. And you need to share it with everybody. If enough Americans understood what this risk is about, you know, when I met Jim Sensenbrenner, and I was with him a bunch of times, but I, I actually convinced them in a matter of a couple of minutes to, um, to, to reverse himself on George W. Bush's guest worker program. It took 90 seconds. I said, if I can't sleep at night, sure as hell I don't want you to sleep at night. By the way, I started to mention that I was at an, an event with the International Association of Chiefs of Police, and I asked this woman who was there on behalf of the Bush administration about her, this push for passing that guest worker program. And I said, how in the world are you going to screen these people? Well, she didn't have an answer. So she gave me a bunch of double talk, double talk. Well, America is great when it's strong. We get strength through greatness and greatness through strength. And so now you understand, right, Mr. Cutler? And that's the tactic. In front of a whole bunch of people, they, they, they hit you with a bunch of gobbledygook double talk. And then they say, so now you understand, don't you? And I learned that when I did some sales one summer for a bunch of con artists. I quit after two weeks when I realized that they were con artists. The following year, they all went to jail. I loved reading that headline. But that was what they taught you. If someone asks you a question that you don't want to answer, confront them in front of a lot of people and give them double talk, and then say, so now you understand and shake their hand. Well, this young woman who worked for Bush did exactly that. And I looked her in the eye, and I said, young lady, unfortunately, I don't understand, but don't get excited. Don't be upset. Everything is cool, because you may not know this, but I'll be speaking next, so we will get to revisit my question that you didn't answer could kill, I would have been vaporized. 
And that's how we need to deal with these con artists when they play these games with us. Get in their face, not the way Maxine Waters suggested. Low-key, not aggressively, but with the right words. Don't be worried. I appreciate your trying to answer the question. You didn't, but it's cool because I'll be speaking next and we'll get to revisit it. She knew this was not going to be good. Okay, That's how you deal with it. Let them know that we are not the idiots that they're playing us for. Final point, and this is good news today. Uh, Associated Press reported earlier today, U.S. border agency leaders being forced out. U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Chris Magnus uh, is being forced to resign. Hey, Mayorkas. <laughs> Who's going to force Mayorkas to resign? Mayorkas should be investigated for what I think has been criminal activity to undermine national security. He's the head of DHS. Border Patrol is an agency under the DHS. I wrote an article about Magnus uh, about a year and a half ago uh, in April of 2021. As a police chief, he refused to cooperate with the Border Patrol. They called him up and said, we have some fugitives. Can you help us look for them? And he refused to help. So the guy that wouldn't help the Border Patrol was put in charge of the Border Patrol. And he flies right through the confirmation process thanks to the Democrat goal of no borders. The perfect guy for the job. A police chief who would not help the Border Patrol will be put in charge of the Border Patrol. Does it get wackier than that? Can you make a stronger case for the corruption of this administration, undermining national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. My gosh, I am tired of politicians telling me what the immigrants want. It's time that we the people told the politicians what we want and what we expect and what we will get or remove the employee who doesn't provide it. Who's the employee? These politicians that we elect, basically hire. You had politicians in this campaign cycle refusing to participate in a debate. We saw that with the governorship for Arizona. If you don't want to participate in a debate, that's fine. You don't have to. And we should immediately say to them, you're out. The debate, folks, is the functional equivalent of a job interview. Could you imagine that some job opens up in some company and you want the job and you call them up And they say to you, okay, Mr. Cutler, can you come down tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock so we can interview you? And I would say to them, huh, I'm not going to be bothered with an interview. You're just going to have to hire me. Really? Do you think any company would hire me that way? Or, Mr. Cutler, we have to give you your annual review. You're here now. Uh, We are trying to decide whether to keep you on. Um, You have to come in for an interview. Or a conversation. Nope. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. Sorry. Would you keep your job if you did that to your employer? The politicians who refuse to attend town hall meetings, the politicians who refuse to participate in a debate, need to be fired. And I don't care what position they take. It doesn't matter. And if you read the material on some of these huge lobbying outfits that pump tens of millions of dollars into the campaign coffers of the politicians, they will tell you unabashedly, our politicians do as they're told or else. 
Is that democracy in action? Is that representative government? George Washington warned us constantly, or, or, or effectively, rather, about the dangers of the political party system. And it's something worth considering, because he got it right. George Washington, I, I guess, would have approved of a party where there was music and beer, but certainly not political parties, because political parties undermine and usurp the, 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 the will of the people. It, it's just that simple. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Problem. In fact, let me, let me read this to you, because it's so profound and so on point. I, I think I'm going to wind up reading this repeatedly every time I go anywhere. Because I have huge issues with both political parties. This is what he said during his farewell address. This is George Washington. However, political parties may now and then answer popular ends. They are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. Isn't that what we've been seeing, the Nancy Pelosi's of the world and all these other leaders? They tell the politicians, you do what we tell you or else. I thought that was the job for we the people. They have a position in the parties called the whip. Does that not sound like a Tony Soprano enforcer? The whip. You'll do as you're told or else we will cut off your campaign funds. And when you cut off campaign funds, you basically doom that politician to losing the next election. Washington was dead set against political parties because he understood what it turns into. It turns into Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and John Boehner. We can go right down the list. You can't be a slave to two masters. And politicians who have to toe the line for the political machine certainly can't represent the constituents back home, which is what they're supposed to do. We need to wake up, folks. We need to do a better job of speaking with our neighbors. We need to do a better job of educating our neighbors. The facts are very simple. This election should have been a slam dunk for the Republicans, but for the fact that many of these Republicans perhaps were unworthy. Seriously. Um, We've got to hold them accountable. Knowledge is power. And you can't make politicians accountable unless you truly understand the issues. So please read my articles at front page. Share them with as many people as you can. If you like this program, send the link to the podcast to as many folks as you can, especially the people you disagree with and say, hey, listen, as Americans, it's our birthright to have debates and conversations and discussions. The holidays are coming. What a great way to have a peaceful, calm, thoughtful, fact-based conversation I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. And the First Amendment is the First Amendment for a good reason. Let's celebrate the First Amendment, the amendment and all the others that our valiant veterans fought for to keep us safe and free. Have a great weekend. See you next week, folks. Thank you for joining me.